Hi, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me is... Your other host, Khalid Hussain. How's it going, Khalid? Oh, it's groovy, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You notice I didn't say with me as always this time? Um. Yeah, which, yeah, I didn't, I guess. No, I didn't notice it. I'm lying. I didn't notice it. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out to you, because there was one episode where you weren't with me. Oh, we're doing that. Right. Okay. Got it. You are never going to let me live that down. No, just just, uh, just got to throw it out there every once in a while. You miss one podcast, which turned out to be a pleasant conversation that I wasn't even needed for, and you're just, you're just hanging it over my head. It's an incredibly pleasant conversation for those of you that haven't listened to it. So I highly recommend it. Check that one out. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of a single thing I would have added to it. It was great as is. If anything, I did the show a favor that time. Yeah, probably true. But anyway, how how are you? Ah, great, man. Yeah, it, just hanging out. Um, we I'm, I'm right now. I'm working on making a movie with a friend of the show, friend and Steen, if you will, friend and Stein. Stein. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? No. Yes. Uh, no, uh, I, I did. I didn't do it on purpose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, with uh, Frendenstein, uh, Heather Shapiro. Uh, oh, Heather, and, yeah, yeah, and her and her partner Preston. We're uh, we're working on a feature together, and we had our first uh, table read today. Dope. Yeah. So that was uh, that was my morning. It was great. Um, got to see some friends, and they went out to lunch with a couple of people afterwards, and it was a great day. How about you? Uh, you know, I had a, I had a fine day myself. It was actually a really nice weather here in Minnesota, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, busy, 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 new house stuff, baby, toddler, all that stuff. Quite busy. It is the end of the school year for me. So now I'm on summer vacation. That's kind of nice. Um, only kind of, it felt felt like a year that went on forever for a multitude of reasons, but, uh, but we're done, we're done now and I'm ready to, to move forward with that. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm 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 adjusting to life, not having to think about a responsibility in terms of work tomorrow, which I'm recording this on Sunday. On Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, so I don't have to go back to work, and that's exciting for me. But it's it's also uh, it's a challenge. But I'm doing it. <laughs> I well, I believe in you. I think you're going to make the most of this no school time. <laughs> you know, I always think that. I'm always like, I'm going to do all these fun things. Then it comes to be like August when I'm like about to step back. I was like, fuck, I didn't do any of that shit. <laughs> the well you're you're biting off more than you can chew what you need to do is like think of like one thing that you could do like a bunch of times and just like be like very happy about it you know like a video game or something sure maybe maybe uh d- dive into soda streams i mean get your own thing is pro- is my advice <laughs> like i just i feel like that sp- like specific niche has been just like covered yeah, I mean, yeah, you got it. You got us well covered on the Soda Stream front, Khalid. That's true. I don't think you're talking about myself. I just mean that, like, myself amongst others have done a really good job representing Soda Streams, and it just feels like you coming in this late in the game is like crowding us. Fair, fair. Yeah, I got. I see. It's a. It's an exclusive club, and I will. I will. I will see my way o- around it. Well, I, you don't have to say it like that. Like the Soda Stream. No, 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 no. no. You made yourself very clear, Khalid. The Soda very Stream clear. community is inclusive. Like that's. That's just it. Just goes without saying. I don't. You're make you making me say it is a problem because it goes without saying. No, nope, you made your point very clear, Khalid. As clear as a soda stream might be. 
See, again, like just even the way you talk about it, it doesn't feel like it would be a good fit. So I say maybe just maybe just like learn guitar. You're you're a almost middle aged dad now. I think you're allowed. Damn, damn, almost middle aged. Wow. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I'll report back on the guitar front then, Khalid. Awesome. Sounds good, yeah. buddy. Um, anyway, it's good to be back. We've been we've been uh, off for a little bit for uh, unfortunately not fun reasons. I want I like I want to get into a story that's like something cool or badass or something. But uh, no, it's just because my internet went out. Really, I mean, we tried to record on a hotspot, and I think you said I sounded like a I don't know like a pixelated robot or something. So that didn't work out very well. So we had to scrap that recording, which was only three minutes. But uh, it sucked. Yeah. And internet went out like twice within a month because of, uh, I mowed over the, the cable once which sucked. And, <laughs> and another time it was an animal. So it wasn't me both times. <laughs> you said it was such shame. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It was not a, it was not a good realization for me, but anyway, the, the second time was definitely not my fault, but it happened twice. So that's huge and, and shitty. So honey, I mowed over the internet. <laughs> it's that it's that fiber internet khalid it's like super fast but they have to like string it in from this other place and then they have to bury the cable uh as as it connects to your house but apparently and we learned this and when they came and fixed it they contract out to another company to bury that cable and they're like of course uh i mean with everything in the world delayed so it's like two months to bury a cable in my yard you know and i mean i, I would do it myself but i'm just i know i'm gonna break it again is it good though? Is it good internet? I've heard good things about fiber. Yeah, no, yeah, it's great. I mean, I it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, I'd say it's good. All right. Well, I mean, that does suck. Uh, and yes, you did sound like a very like pixelated, distressed robot when we were talking. So I'm glad that it's uh, been solved now. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're uh, fingers crossed within this next couple of months while we're waiting for the bar- the burial of the cable. I guess we could say uh, that. Nothing happens. And we have more regular podcasts for you, uh, lovely friend and steens. You guys should like friend, friend and steins. <laughs> you guys uh you guys should dress up in like fu- funeral attire when they come to bury the cable. <laughs> and just you know. <laughs> yeah. Just just stand out there. Yeah. The, the person bearing any any last words. I'll come out. Like we could we could do a whole thing about it. Like I'll I'll do a eulogy. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. We should. I would love I would love that. That's uh so maybe we could live stream it for the podcast. Yeah, I don't know if we have any uh, Jewish friend and Ste- uh, Steins. It's hard. <laughs> it, why is it so hard for me today? If we have any Jewish friend and Steins that want to come and sit shiva for the cable after it's buried, that would also be a good addition to the bit. Let's do. I'll let you know when it comes. Then love it. Well, anyway, me, uh, uh, in the meantime, Khalid, what uh, what are we doing today? Uh, today we are talking about the 2014 horror film directed by Jennifer Kent, The Babadook. And I've got a little synopsis from our homeboy Google, and it goes a little something like this. A single mother plagued by the violent death of her husband battles with her son's fear of a monster lurking in the house but soon discovers a sinister presence all around her. What a monster. They're creatures of the abstract that live off potential energy. It's alive! Um, can you do the voice? Uh, ba How's that? Ba-ba-do. 
Yeah. How was mine? Yours was way better. Yeah. You, yeah. You re- I practiced a while before this. You landed the K. That was I missed the K in retrospect, yeah. but like you really, you really just be, top to bottom. That was great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yours is pretty decent, I'd say. Aw, I know. I know you're just saying that to make me feel better, and it worked. Good. Yeah. No, I thought that uh, that phone call was pretty creepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that you coming? You're you're coming out the gate with the hot takes. That's <laughs> hot take. It was pretty creepy. Was that was that call from a from a supernatural being <laughs> that's threatening your family? Was that was that was that creepy to you? Yeah, I would not enjoy that in real life. Um. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna IRL not cool. <laughs> yeah, no chill. Baba Duke has no chill. That that yeah. much on that much we agree. All uh, right, initial <laughs> thoughts. What do we what do we got? What what'd you think of the movie? Um, I dug it. It was good. Uh I had only ever seen this one other time, pretty much right when it came out. In so it's twenty fourteen when it came out. Like I must have been like 24 yeah like mid 20s i don't know why i thought this came out in high school like uh so it's weird that it was it's it's a more recent than that but i remember liking it when i first saw it and then rewatching it this time i still enjoyed it but i don't know it was uh maybe it's just because like we're now like in such a post like metaphor as a subgenre world with horror. And like, there's been so many other movies that have come since then that I think execute what they were been, what they were going for better that it just like, it didn't wow me as much. And I know that like, I know that the Babadook didn't invent like metaphor uh, as, as a subgenre in horror. That's not like even close. Like it's always as like, the whole point of genre is to like mix it with metaphor and like some things like prioritize the metaphor more than others. But I do remember at the time when I was watching it, it was one of the like more uh, like it was one of the times when like I was watching a movie like that, that like for the first time I was like, Oh, I can kind of see like tonally what they're going for. uh, That's different than like your typical like monster movie. And uh, since then, like, I think like Ari Aster and Jordan Peele are like the bigger names that have like kind of carried that mantle and like done more with it in a more entertaining way for me. But I mean, you know, it's not really fair to like compare it to like movies that came out after it that like clearly like use it as a building block. I'm not trying to like criticize it on that, but I just, I don't know. It was good, but, and we'll get into it, but like the, the, in general, the relationship uh, between the mother and the son um, was, I don't know, it was just like hard to watch for me at times, I guess. And it, that may have been the point, but like it also just like made the movie harder to watch, which I don't think is the point. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I mostly agree with you. I think maybe I come out a little more favorable on it. I I actually had never seen this before this, which might be a surprise to a lot of people listening. Um, but yeah, this is a movie that one of the few that I think you've seen before me um, at some point. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't really know what to expect. I've kind of seen the Babadook like memed in a sense, like the, the imagery of it, like kind of like joking, used in joking ways since then. So I didn't, I didn't really realize like what glimpses of the creature we actually get in the movie and what, what its role is and what I didn't even know what the metaphor was honestly before going into this, but uh, I liked it. And I see what you're saying about how it's sort of, it's not the first of course to like 
pull, make like make the monster a metaphor, but it's it sort of set a tone in uh, for for movies to come come out since it's it's sort of like pulled some of these ideas more into the mainstream from to pave way for more uh like big budget horror films to kind of do what the babadook was not that the babadook was big budget bindings it's like a pretty low-key indie in that sense but uh it, it was big right it like made a lot of money it made a lot of waves it made a lot of a lot of good reviews a lot of positive praise so i i really liked i really liked it for the most part and i think that what you're saying about the relationship between the mom and the kid, I think that was a really, from my perspective, it felt like a really bold choice to to show the things that we saw, and I I appreciate the things that we're going to that they were going they're trying for, uh, and making us really uncomfortable with certain things. And I'm going to get into some of those thoughts there more with with uh, what I think they're trying to do, but I uh, I like what they're doing. I think that this is a good companion piece with Hereditary, like you mentioned. Uh, coming later than this like the performance between essie davis in this movie and like tony collette and hereditary like feel like of a piece with each other you know oh totally i mean like right up to the whole her getting possessed at the end right like yeah oh for sure for sure yeah like, i mean the way that they brought their characters into some really dark places like are both like equally admirable i would say yeah and it's just like the, uh, yeah i mean i don't know for me it's just i i i I'm captivated by it, but it's also like not necessarily like my favorite like thing is like when like a mom just is like repressing like all this hatred for a kid. Like when I see that in a horror movie, I don't know, like in a comedy, it's fine if like the mom like hates the kid or whatever, you know, you like Lucille Bluth, you know, like (laughs) she hates her kids in a comedy way. Like it's still not a good thing, but it's so fun to watch. And then you like you see like. Uh, the mom in this or like Tony Collette and it's like even before they're possessed like you're just like oh like <laughs> you like hate hate your kid this is uh, this is unpleasant it's unpleasant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no I mean it's I, it really just speaks to their performance you know like I want I, right like it, it's it's ultimately a compliment to like how well they play it and like how well it's written it's just I don't know, like the discomfort this time, like it just like sat with me. Right. So, um, so I watched this with, uh, also friend of the podcast, friend in Stein, uh, Nicole, the wife, wife of the podcast, <laughs> um, a wife in Stein, if you will, a wife in Stein, if you will. I love that. <laughs> and she actually brought up a lot of points that I think are going to be some of my talking points here. So I wanted, I wanted to give her a shout out before I get into stuff. Just know that she, her and I talked for like an hour after this movie, we stayed up way past our bedtimes. But uh, one of the things that we kind of settled on was the scary, like a scariest element of it is um, how the Babadook creature sort of forces the mom, the character. What's her character's name? I forgot. Um, I have it up um, here. Amelia. Right? Amelia, yeah. right? Yeah. Amelia to like, it, it basically just brings the worst part of yourself as a parent to the forefront. And, 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 and so like, the the scary part is like being a parent is like you you are sleep deprived to a point that you know more than you normally are i would say unless you've like experienced like maybe insomnia or something it's just it's just a transition to for a lot of people and it's it's very difficult and and there are times like when your kids like crying and like scream crying and doing all this crazy stuff you're like what's wrong with you uh and you get so frustrated but you don't usually let those like bad feelings come forward and like this this movie like 
forces you to kind of confront like what if like those bad feelings came forward in the worst possible way and that's the scary that's like really the scariest part of it like when the kids just like mom 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 you know like I've had that happen before. Like I'm not, I'm not mom, but like heard kids shouting like things over and over again. It's super annoying, but it's like, you don't, you know, like developmentally that's sort of where the kid is and you step, step back and like, I can, I can put myself in that mentality. But in the moment, if you're like sleep deprived, you can see like where some of those ter- terrible feelings or terrible thoughts could come from. And that's, and that's a scary thing to confront. And so the director, uh, Jennifer Kent actually talked about in some interviews about that concept um, where she says, uh, the movie is about waking up and facing our shadow side or the parts of ourselves we don't want to recognize exist. It's sort of like a recognition that we all have these dark parts in ourselves. And it's like, what if something is forcing us to bring that to the forefront? And in this case, it's like the metaphor of grief or like un- a repressed trauma, like br- pushing those things to the front and pushing those people away from us. But like seeing that is what kind of was the the scariest part of this whole movie for me. So, yeah, so, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but, like, yeah, you're a parent and you're an educator. Um, a big part of your, like, life the last few years is is children. And, like, you yeah. you as, like, an adult uh, having to kind of, like, deal with, like, everything that entails, you know? Like, you've, you've seen kids that are, like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to put it. I guess just, like, You've seen kids that like uh, need us more attention maybe than other other kids. And you've dealt with a lot of like very stressful situations. Like um, how do you feel this movie like tackled that in the sense of like, um, do you think that, do you think that it um, was it accurate, was accurate? It's a good question. I think that it's hard to say like whether or not it's accurate or not. Cause I think that kids that I've had in classrooms who've had come from really challenging circumstances, difficult home lives and whatnot. Um, it's manifested in so many different ways for so many different kinds of kids. So there's not really a right or wrong answer for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I would say that I think that this kid being known as somebody who has difficult behaviors or somebody who might act out some of their, trauma in the ways that they do is not unrealistic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the idea, I mean, I almost would say that the kid was almost too nice. Really? <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Like he's very like polite in some ways. Like he can be, he can be annoying and he gets like, uh, either the movie wants you to feel like what the mom's feeling. Right. When you hear that, like the way that the, the audio, the sound mixing works, I feel like when he's like constantly repeating himself or like yelling for her like it wants you to feel annoyed as the viewer i believe i think that was an intentional choice so they do that but like i feel like they also uh like i i feel you feel for him like the mom's like super distant right she's also dealing with her her issues and like that's coming forward is like uh on to him you know and so like having one parent parental figure gone since he was born and he knows the story that like oh he died on the way to give birth to me so that's got to be something to carry around and then on top of that having a mom who's you know really struggling with that herself and then can be verbally abusive and i think we saw see uh, physically and i don't know if that's we, something to be said whether or not it's the babadook doing that or that's like actually happening and there's debate over whether or not the whole babadook in general is a metaphor in the within the movie universe itself um but i think well, can you what elaborate on that about about the debate of the metaphor? Well, there's there's a lot of people who think that the Babadook itself is not actually real in universe, and then like uh, 
that she does all that stuff because of like her trauma and stuff, you know, and like it's it, like it is it, like the, the metaphor, like the metaphor that we see for our benefit as the viewer is like a metaphor in in universe. Some people say it's not actually real. It's all in her head. I don't like that reading because I think it's I think they push her to some extremes that makes it hard to reconcile. You know what I mean? I mean, it just doesn't make sense with like the the text that the movie gave us. I feel like I mean, I'd I kind to- of ag- I agree too. I think it makes more sense if the monster is real. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the it it plays with that yeah. trope of like, is she imagining this? Is she not? Yeah. Uh, my favorite is when she's at the police station and she sees the coat rack that right. looks like the Babadook. That was such a. I remembered that when I saw it. That was one of the, the only thing I remembered from the first time I saw it, which was like <laughs> just this idea of like that. It, it's so real. We all have experienced that of like you see a collection of clothes or some kind of like silhouette that looks just enough like a a person slash monster that you yeah. have to like turn around and train all your attention on it and make sure it it it's not that and it isn't moving. Um yeah. and I Yeah, that's that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love Great that. Great horror moment. Yeah. But I mean um, they they I say all that to say like they only did that as like uh the game of playing with her sanity in the movie like i yes the fact the fact is like the babadook is real you know i don't i don't see how you read what that movie gave us any other way i think that's i think i would i would 100 agree with you i was in some trivia pieces i read there's like debate fan debate over whether or not it's real or not and i want to i i will come on the side of it being real in universe um i will too consider the debate (laughs) settled all right I, I better, official stance i better not see any more discourse on this yes cool um i think i rambled quite a bit when you were asking me that question sorry khalid i don't know if i answered this your question just feels like all. this just feels like a rambler you know it is a bit of a rambler yeah the one thing i wanted to point out though i think i was trying to get to and i again rambled a ton but uh what we see that feels the most realistic to me um, is just the failure of community when like mental health care is something that should have been addressed here for both the mom and the kid. Like everybody fails them, like in terms of community, like she's obviously calling, like crying for help in multiple ways that we, I think, recognize being, you know, people who are more in tune to it, people watch movies and just in trying to be a more in tune to mental health in general. Um, and the kid obviously needs support, needs help but is being like penalized at school, right? Kind of as punitive. The the sister aunt is like, oh, he's a monster. I don't like him. I don't want to come over instead of being like, oh, he, he needs help, right? Like it's tough. Everyone, it's tough. Everyone fails, everyone fails them. And that's and that is like scarily realistic with a lot of like the problems and like the stigma around mental health. Like we don't want to talk about it or we see somebody who's suffering and it's like, oh, weird. We don't want to be by that person rather than like, how can I help? It's even like the, the, I, I, they call it something different. It's Australia, but like the child protection services, people that come, they're like, uh, we'll just come back in a week. Why don't you get your stuff together? Like that's like super sad, but like realistic with how limited that they're able to, some of those things are able to do like here in terms of like the U S CPS system too, you know, like there's a lot of limitations there, which are really frustrating to deal with. And there's a lot of like problems there with what they're able to go after and what they do and what they don't, you know? And, and we see that there. And I think that's, that's a big point that I thought hit really hit, hit home. I thought. 
Yeah, no, that was uh very yeah. When 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 child protective services uh showed up at her house and like she had thought that like there were like a bunch of bugs in the wall and stuff, so she just looked like yeah. very like just all over the place. It it was a very sad sight, and I mean. I think it just kind of touches on what you were just saying about like this idea that there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of like help or uh, attention put on like home lives until it's gotten to the point where like the state can just come and take your kid. Um, Yes. It doesn't really seem like there's a, like there's enough people in between that and like, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, X and I think that I need help with that to be able to like properly take care of my kid. Like it doesn't feel like there's a place that like a lot of these parents can go to and like, or at least mm-hmm. the mom in this movie uh, can, can go to and get that help before it gets like to such a like unsustainable place that people can like credibly be like, yeah, no, you can't be a parent right now. Yeah. And it also really does a good job illustrating like how when someone's going through this kind of stuff, how they're still like unable to escape, like just the grind of everything else that's wearing you down, like work and like other issues. Like the one, there's this one scene that sticks out to me where Amelia like takes off early, it takes off early after work and her coworker like covers for her. Remember that? Uh, yeah. And then, she, and then she like, decides to like treat herself a little bit doesn't she like she gets ice cream and just like i'm gonna take a little bit of time for myself like self-care and then like comes to the realization that when she goes to pick up her son they're like oh i've been calling you all the time at your work and i can't get a hold of you that just like you take a small moment for yourself and you've somehow disappointed somebody already like within that little bit of time like just amplifies all of what we're kind of saying too no yeah i i completely agree it's it's that like just annoying thing of like going like just because you're going through something doesn't mean that like the rest of your life has like paused. Yeah. It's like this kind of unrelenting weight that's like put on the society puts on us. But I think in, in, in particular, this movie is wants to show what that looks like to, to women and parents, but particularly moms. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so I mean, like, that's, and that's the thing is like, I'm always like a little bit more like sensitive to like um, horror movies or like, I guess even like thrillers where like, it's like a single mom thing. Like that just hits like so close to home and like, just, you know, having witnessed that growing up, like I, I mm-hmm. get it. Like it's n- not a far stretch to like add some, like just like one more dimension of like, okay, now this on top of everything else. Like I just, I think about like how like shitty, like a, uh, an average week of my mom's life was when she was like growing up with me and my sister. And I'm just like, man, how much shittier would it be if like there was also a ghost here right now? <laughs> Isn't that the question? Right? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> A lot shit here. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, that would just be the worst, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think I'll just call, I'm going to call her after this. Mom, aren't you just so glad that, like, you never also had to deal with a ghost? Like, remember that week I got, like, suspended from school because, like, I was, like, talking too loudly or something and I had to, like, stay home all week. So you had to, like, figure out a sitter for me. Like, what if on top of all of that, there was just a ghost in the apartment? <laughs> really puts things in perspective yeah yeah you know (laughs) uh, count your blessings people is what i'm getting at (laughs) (laughs) uh that's good um um sorry go ahead no i was gonna say one other thing that i thought was interesting uh this is like 
aside from like the heavy stuff we've just been talking about. So the kid, Noah Wiseman is the kid, the actor who plays the kid, um, six years old when he played Samuel. Um, but I thought it was interesting behind the scenes tidbit. <clears throat> Did you hear about it? I don't know if you may have heard about this, but uh, so Jennifer Kent uh, wanted to make sure that he was not there for like the horrific scenes. And he was not like, she said something about how she didn't want to like quote ruin or destroy a childhood to make this film. So uh, like the scenes when Amelia has to like yell at him or like tell him, I wish, like, I wish you had died instead of my husband, like the horrible things that she says, mm-hmm. like they had a, they didn't, they didn't actually have him there for those, but they would film his reaction like separately. So she says something, uh, the quote was during the reverse shots where Amelia was abusing Sam verbally, we had Essie yell at an adult standing on his knees. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of fun to think about. And then if she would like to get the reaction shots, she said she would like film him and be like, think about what if I just threw all of your Legos in the river right now? Like that kind of stuff. Oh my God. That's okay. That's pretty funny, but I thought you were going to, I don't know, I guess I I didn't think, like, <laughs> you most likely weren't going to say this, but I was kind of hoping what you were going to say is, like, she didn't want to, like, traumatize this little boy, so, like, they just brought in, like, another little boy. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been awful. <laughs> just, just for her to, like, yell at him instead, and he just got paid yeah. a little bit less, but, like, she just didn't want to traumatize, like, the the star of the movie, you know? Listing for child who wants to be, like, verbally abused in a movie. That's the <laughs> God. <laughs> uh i mean this kid is like he's 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 got to be living good off this like he's a meme right like i forgot this is where that meme came from which meme the why can't you just be normal and then like it's the panel of like him in the back just screaming <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, God. I, I don't think i ever put that together i never i don't know why but like i can't remember what i thought it was we need to talk about kevin or something but like I that that's Tilda Swinton, so it doesn't even make any sense why yeah. I thought that. But like for some reason, like I was like getting the two confused, and like I just never thought about where that meme came from. Yeah, no, that's that's that totally is. Now I see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were some of your uh, what's what do you think were some of the scariest like horror bits in this? Like the scary like jump scares or like monster parts? I mean. Probably when she was masturbating and the kid like jumped on the bed. <laughs> God, that was like that's a real life horror, though. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. This movie yeah. like was like the Babadook was like scary, I guess, but I don't know. It didn't. There, like, I was never like just like biting my nails about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it was, like, I'm not even really joking. Like that, I, that was one of the few times like I jumped was like when the kid like comes out of nowhere while she's like doing that. And I was just like, it was like secondhand embarrassment and like just being startled by him, like appearing. It was a lot. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's a good one. I would also say, I mean, this is Baba Duke related, but like when I mean, that, the meme scene, when the kid's in the back of the car and screaming, like when he's seeing the Baba Duke and she's not, and she's just like, stop being weird. And he's like, ah, and then he like kind of like has a seizure or whatever. And like passes out. Like that was terrifying. I thought just like thinking about like, being a parent and being like, oh, you're just being goofy and then realizing it's something actually serious that you don't understand. That's a scary concept. Yeah, no, that's like the I mean, it's the, it's that combo of like he's genuinely going through something and he kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. If I can say that we haven't said that yet in this discussion, I kind of think the kid sucks. Like <laughs> I say that taking into account that he has had a very hard life. And he is going through very legitimate things, supernatural and just 
of the ter- like physical plane. He's going through it, and that's fine. That being said, I did not like that kid. At all. And I was just like, this feels like an experiment in like how, how many like sympathetic things can you have happen to the most annoying person until you feel for them? Hmm. Interesting. Did you feel for him then? Um, near the end, I was more into it. Like basically like I, like when the mom starts to come around to it and like, it becomes more about like, even then it's not about him so much as like, I like him for what it's doing for her, like in the sense of like mm. when she starts to become protective and like find purpose in that. And I was like, okay, like I like I like that aspect of it, but yeah, I just I just do not rock with that kid, and <laughs> I I don't want him to be tormented by ghosts, but I also don't want to babysit him. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I'd want to babysit. I'm either. kind of on the sister's side in that respect. Like, I don't want to go there. (laughs) I don't want to go over there. Seriously, like, he kind of sucks. Like, you got to think, like, even before the ghost stuff, like, can you imagine sharing a birthday with this dude? Every year, dude? Yeah. Every year, him? It's not even actually on the same day, dude? (laughs) Like... I like I gotta think like okay sure the first three years of your life like whatever that's a wash like you could share your birthday with the dog like that's fine the dog by age four you understand enough like you have object permanence um you've you've like started like you've got a roster of words you're going through you know who you want to spend your birthday with and like share the spotlight with and that's just I yeah I'm sorry like I. I was never like holding it against the cousin or the sister. Mm. The cousin did say some pretty awful stuff though. I'd say she kind of sucked too. No. Yeah. All the kids sucked. I don't think that's up for debate. True. But like he was just like, maybe it's because we like, I mean, yeah, we just spent the most time with him. Like I just, right. I don't know. Like, what did you think? Would you hang out with that kid apropos of everything he's dealing with? I mean, the, by virtue of my job, probably (laughs) fair. Fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you have a you. I mean, you have a little league was, team that you can like draft kids for. Do you do you keep him or trade him? I mean, no. I I mean, if I made the choice, yeah. Like I would. <laughs> now you're making me feel bad because I don't want to make him feel bad. <laughs> All right, I don't. I I'm not gonna make you're you're an actual educator. I'm not gonna make you pile on to a child. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think I think I've I think I've made my stance clear enough. I, I don't want to be on record saying it. We'll go there. <laughs> fair, fair. I'll ask I'll, I'll ask you when the mics are off. I Right, yeah. yeah. Post show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> I would also say, Khalid, uh the scary thing for me horror-wise was when the when she got the the pop-up book back that was all like taped up, you know? Remember that part? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought I, this is. Uh... I thought that was pretty cool. Like, and I like to. I also kind of like to imagine, like, <laughs> not not scary as much, but like the Babadook kind of doing like, I don't know. I guess you could say like his arts and crafts session, like putting it all back together, like that, like that a deleted scene with that. That'd have been interesting. 
That would have been great. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. somebody put that thing back together. I mean, he obviously did it. I mean, I guess he's magic, but I mean, I guess he's magic, is he? No, I'd like to believe that he just like got like a roll of scotch tape and just went to town. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's obviously supernatural, but I don't know if that's magic. Magic and supernatural are fundamentally different, right? How are they fundamentally different? Like, they fundamentally, they're the same. Supernatural is still natural, right? Like it's natural, but to super it means not it doesn't exist within the natural reality that we uh, understand it to be. Magic is like outside of that, I think, right? Uh, is that bullshit? Did I make that up? That's bullshit, isn't it? It I just does. It does feel bullshit adjacent. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I like to answer the initial question. I think that the Babadook it, taped it together. Like he, okay, he went so, to Staples, he got a thing of scotch tape and he just put in the work. I like to imagine he stole this tape from a house yeah. somewhere. I don't think he went to Staples, but so, so we're saying like, it, okay, so don't at me. You can at Khalid everybody. If magic and supernatural are the same or not, he did not, he does not have like a wand to just be like, I don't know, Wingardium Leviosa and well, that's floating, but make it come back together. You know? No, I don't see. I he might have a wand. I don't know. I they didn't sh- like. I, I don't. I don't care enough about this. I don't <laughs> care enough about this specific thing to keep to keep uh, uh, thinking about it. Uh, I will pivot though because you brought it up. How do you feel about the movie being anti-book? The movie being anti-book. I like. I like that. I like that. I like when mediums. It's a bold choice. I like when mediums like kind of you know like subtweet each other or like passive aggressively or like coming at each other, you know. Yeah. So it's like this one, like like th- for this, it's like a movie kind of talking shit about books. Like mm. I'd love to see like I don't even know like a like a like a like a radio talking talking shit about a painting or something. I mean, arguably, like we're a podcast, we could talk shit about paintings. We could. Yeah, no, uh, I, I'm always I'm just I'm petty, you know, like I like drama. So like when when one when, when one medium uses like what it has at its disposal to be like this other thing sucks. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that this movie was anti book. <laughs> you know, apparently when it came out, you could have like bought I think because it uh, so a whole roundabout thing, but she actually refused some uh studio money for to make this because they wanted her to change the ending to make it more hollywood where she would like to actually defeat the babadook um so they, there was like some kickstarter or like crowdfunding to get this made and she um some of the rewards where you could get like a copy of the book which i don't know you know like it makes me think of so this is what makes me think of khalid when i was a kid you could buy a copy of the jumanji game and i was like why would you do that <laughs> and that's how i feel about the book I'm sorry. I'm just picturing like an incredulous, like eight year old Joe. Just like, surely, surely these people must know. (laughs) I mean, like, why take the chance? You're just, you're just like a harbinger of the apocalypse outside of, outside of a games by James. (laughs) (laughs) You've got like a trench coat and a piece of cardboard that says the end is nigh. Have you seen this movie? Oh man. 
Uh, right? Like, I don't know. Why take the chance? You make a very compelling point. This is maybe your strongest argument to date on Frankenstein's podcast. It's a big episode for us. Yeah, I am. I'm very. The, yeah. Watershed moment here. Joe just earned his law degree as far as I'm concerned. Boom. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm in complete <laughs> agreement. That's ridiculous. Um, okay. But like, yeah, while we're talking about the book itself, uh, I like and am like very, uh, it, it's, it's, it's endearing that the catalyst for everything is a pop-up book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like that just goes back to the arts and crafts of it all of like, surely he had to have like put the book back together somehow. In a different pop-ups too, and like really intricate pop-ups where she had to like move pieces of it. Like it's yeah. it's well done. And it's like, you know, I mean, he it's I'm assuming it's a self-published book, but that that aside, like, did he have like manuscripts of this beforehand? Um, were there are there like other drafts of the book? Um like is is he illustrator and writer? You know, and again, like the choice to make it a pop-up book, which like for the movie, it makes it a little bit more like visually entertaining every time she's turning the page and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's also just like thinking about like the, like a pop-up book is not easy to make is all I'm saying. And it's just like, it really speaks to like how creative the Babadook is compared to your average monster. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that we can count in its favor, I suppose. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the ending? Uh, I loved the ending actually a lot. I think that was that's I think that's a huge part of why this movie works and kind of lands is is the ending. Like I told you, the the director did not want it to be that Hollywood kind of ending where she defeats the Babadook. Yeah. So she kind of defeats it in a sense, but like the I, spoilers for people. Uh, I mean, we've probably spoiled stuff already, but um, ultimately, how it ends is she refuses to give any more power it's like i think it's like meant to mirror the stages of grief and the end is acceptance right like she accepts the babadook as something that's always going to be with her uh a la her like trauma or her grief will always be there but she finds ways to manage it and so ultimately the babadook is this creature that's trapped in their basement that they like feed worms every now and then so she physically has to like feed and like just like manage the Babadook, AKA the grief, right? Right. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm always going to be a fan of the quote unquote, like realistic ending in a movie. Yes. You yeah. Know? I liked a lot. Um, my favorite stories are the ones that like kind of admit that, um, just because a story has ended doesn't mean that like everything is like good. And right. And so, I mean, it just, I, it, there's just like, uh, it's not subtle, but it's nuanced what they did with it, I guess that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And I really like that. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. By the end of it, like, especially because like she had such a handle on it and was, was so on top of it. Like I was optimistic about like what life would be like for them at that point. And that was nice. Cause like, it is so harrowing before that, like you're just mm-hmm. going through it with the mom and the kid and it's, it's just i don't know like again like the movie did its job because that's like how i'm supposed to feel i just didn't enjoy feeling like that and i might be just yeah i might be blaming like my own personal biases about something like that and but yeah like all that to say like i i lost my train of thought what was i saying 
that you like the ending exactly yeah no yeah i like that ending because because it like puts me through that gauntlet first for so long and like you come out the other end and like you believe like that she actually overcame it in in a way that like you can feel good about where they're headed yeah it feels really earned yeah yeah it's well done i really like that a lot um should we uh should we monster let's monster yeah. So the monster in question today is our, our homie, Mr. Babadook. 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 So ultimately, like, the Babadook is a supernatural, maybe magic, depending on the, the what people think, supernatural creature that haunted Amelia and her son, Samuel. The Babadook was played by Tim Purcell, which I read is actually uh, someone who worked in the film's art department and got talked into playing the the character after he acted as the creature for like some stand-in tests. And they were just like, hey, we could just have him do it the whole time. And so he became an actor suddenly, does which he, is kind of fun. Does he still act? I don't know. Hmm. I haven't really looked into that. He had an interview about it, but that's I thought that was kind of a cool... Uh, cool fun fact, but ultimately, so in the in the movie, the the creature itself, the Babadook, most generally appears as like a towering, shadowy boogeyman wearing like a black coat and hat with long claw-like hands and a pale, frightening face. Um, the Babadook, as we've talked about, haunts whoever reads his poem and hides in the pop-up book. Um, and this is from the wiki page. So to cite my sources on that. Um, one interesting thing, too, about the name Babadook. So this is from an interview with Jennifer, Jennifer Kent I read. She says, uh, I was looking for foreign words for monster or boogeyman. I had a Serbian friend who mentioned the Babaroga as a Serbian word for monster. I kind of liked it, but it wasn't quite right. I came up with all these nonsense names, and then Babadook came. It needed to rhyme. It rhymes in the book, look, uh, look, and lots of other words. It rhymes with book, look, and lots of other words. It feels a little silly, which I liked as well. It could come from a child's imagination. So that's kind of the background of the name. It's just kind of a silly way to make up a boogeyman name. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked it too. And yeah, no, I, yeah, as you say it, I I can definitely see like the element of like, it sounds almost like a kid made it up. Um, and there's, there's like power to that. Like the, the, the creating of folklore, like a mythical character is always so, uh, interesting to like watch happen in real time. You know, mm-hmm. and this is, yeah, like the Babadook literally is, it, it, came, it came out in 2014. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even old enough to, like, drive yet. And <laughs> it already feels like a monster that's been around since forever. Yeah, it's like a classic monster. It's, like, referenced in things now. I think we even saw, like, a Babadook cameo in What We Do in the Shadows last season, didn't we? Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's firmly in the zeitgeist. Like, it's, it's, it's the Babadook had more staying power than Avatar. yeah (laughs) that's that's really impressive yeah it really is um in terms of making the monster like behind the scenes um let's see uh it's from the same interview jennifer kent says she says we had a a wonderful post effects supervisor who helped smooth over everything we did make it look beautiful but what they tried to do everything in camera so what she's saying is that um there was some post effects but pretty much a lot of it was practical they were inspired by, and I'm gonna. I do not know how to say this name, which is really unfortunate. It's like it looks like George, but it's like Millet. Do you know who I'm talking about? The French illusionist. Uh oh yeah, Milliers. Milliers, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, he's a French illusionist and one of the earliest film directors. But he's his movie was uh, a trip to the moon. I think we've all seen the clip of like the moon with the face and the rocket in it, right? Yeah. 
1902. So he's like this master of special effects and they wanted to like imitate his style with how they kind of portrayed the Babadook. So in some of the scenes where she's watching TV in particular, I feel like we see like that kind of special effects like come forward. It's just like practical, almost like silent film esque look look to it. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, that's that's really cool. Um, and yeah, now that now that you've said that, like I can definitely see that in- influence. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page too, and yeah, uh, they've got that uh, picture from um, the man in the beaver hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's uh it's it's this guy in a top hat and then he's got like bat wings uh yeah and i think that's the actual inspiration for the monster itself too like the design of the monster right yeah i guess so yeah. uh and i i mean yeah just looking at this picture like it's just like wow that's really really cool uh it's a cool homage and it's like a really effective scary look for the monster oh. when like you wouldn't necessarily think of it it would be Absolutely. And a lot of the this, the visual scares are kind of done by just like shadows or like hints of the cloak. So there's really not a lot of effects work that needs to be done. Um, I think they said some of it was done through puppetry, costumes and stop motion, but like a lot of it's just like shadows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the most effective way to do it. I mean, like this goes back to like attack the block and mm-hmm. the way that they, uh, made the most out of those creatures you know it was like yeah keeping them in the dark like really just like uh <clears throat> leaning on how how much you don't see being scary it's the jaws effect yeah oh absolutely yeah they and they leaned to that hard in this and they did it, it the movie was all the better for it i'd say yeah no it really yeah i i think it was great i mean it's it's a super cool idea for a creature um i mean i'm surprised that they never try to make a sequel like i i don't know box office wise how good it did fine it went i think it did fine but jennifer kent actually holds the rights to it and has Ah. has, has, says there will never be a sequel because because she crowdfunded most of it she's like no no way oh so she she crowdfunded it so like because i see the box office was ten and a half mil which doesn't sound like much but if you're if it's like one or two people that are like in control of it, then that's like I th- I think like it wasn't entirely crowdfunded. Like I think that's like kind of what I mentioned. Like she refused like studio money because of the ending change they wanted to make. So, but I think there were some like funding sources, but there are some elements that were crowdfunded. But ultimately, she does hold the rights to the movie and to like the characters. So like she's she's like nixed any chances at a sequel, which is I think I think good. I mean, so the budget was two million. And, it made money, and then, they yeah. made yeah. So they made like a lot in return compared to. What I'm sure it's got to make it's got to make money now based on just like references and stuff too, right? Well, yeah, and just like the uh, streaming rights and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. Do you get paid just for references? I guess like if it's trademarked, maybe I don't know. I don't know, but like, what's trademarked? Like, you're not allowed to show a pale dude in a top hat. I don't. Maybe maybe the name. Yeah, the the name, of course. But like, like you were saying with the what we do in the shadows, like. Did they have to pay for featuring a guy in a hat, like crawling on a wall? Or is it like they just like kind of played with like the technicality of like if they don't say it? Um, I don't know. I'll give Taika a call and ask him. Thank you. Give yeah, give I'll him give, and Rita give, Aura my love. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's it's cool that like I I, I don't know that like a sequel would be necessary. Like, especially if the creator themselves doesn't feel like there's anything more to say. Um, yeah. It, it just, I could see like, 
sorry, Kelly, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it just seems like the kind of thing that's like ripe for franchising. It does. But I feel like it would go like the direction of like a nightmare on Elm street though, where it's like, you just kind of, Oh, it's the next movie with that creature again. And it starts to get like cheesy and watered down and less like, I mean, maybe fun still, but less like poignant into what I was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Can I tell you something embarrassing? Yes. For some reason, I didn't realize they were Australian until I like read it after watching the movie. Do you think they were British? I I guess. I don't know what I thought. I just I I I heard white people with accents. <laughs> and I think that's as far as my brain was willing to investigate it. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> well, now you know. Now you know. Yeah, like I think I would have been You know what I mean? Like they could have just as easily been like Irish or like Swedish. It, yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't know why. Like, I just like, I was reading it. And then like, I saw a part that says something about Australia. And I was like, when they go to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) When they go to Australia. (laughs) You don't see the Australian suburbs much in movies, I guess. So it makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I I mean, I have no excuse. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it was just a very like dumb mistake on my part, but. Yeah. And now it's immortalized in podcasts. So there you go. Uh, you know, I, I put myself on the chopping block for you, Frendensteins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's <laughs> one last thing I want to mention um, about the behind the scenes work with the Babadook uh, is the sound. Um, so whenever the monster comes, part of the mix is the sound designer used like uh, a bunch of weird sounds put together. So like, uh, he used like a dragon call sound effect for Warcraft from Warcraft two at one point in other scenes, they, uh, combine sounds from like a, like a UFO video game, mortal Kombat, and resident evil to make this like weird, like growling noise you hear. Do you remember that? Um, I mean, I remember the noises. I didn't know that like, that's what it was from. I remember feeling like I was like, that sounds almost like Godzilla esque to me, but apparently some fans have theorized that the use of these, like, video game and like tv show sound effects to make the babadook are meant to be like a reflective of her lack of sleep and how the sounds of her tv are seeping into her psyche because she always falls asleep with the tv on it's kind That's, of a deep cut fan theory i thought yeah sometimes fan theories just feel like they're doing a lot of heavy lifting you know they didn't actually think of that though, yeah, right? it, yeah yeah like i mean <laughs> it works i guess like it's it's a headcanon thing like yeah that's fine uh-huh. that's fine yeah, i'm fine with it i'm fine with it if it informs like what you're watching sure but like i just <laughs> i i can't i can't just like be like yeah that's what's happening yeah but anyway i thought that was kind of a fun fact but that's uh yeah interesting stuff yeah no it did uh it did sound gnarly at times though that was pretty cool um do you know what else sounds gnarly at times, Khalid? Well, uh, yeah, what? What else? You'll never guess. I think I could, but I don't want to even attempt it. Sometimes bears sound gnarly at times, Khalid. They do, Joe. They really do. I they do. You should like throw in like a round of applause at this point because this is the first time you've done a successful transition. Boom! Four bears test. That was that was great. I'm I'm proud of you. I know how hard you've been working for like a a a, a, a professional segue, and you did it. And yeah, 
I will I will happily admit it to anyone who's willing to listen. You did it, Joe. You are the king of segues for today. Well, I will. I, I appreciate the praise, Khalid. It feels a little backhanded because I do think that all of my segues are professional quality. But let's just move on from that and go ahead with the Ford Verse test. All right. But it is 100% backhanded. That's the point. Um, yeah. Ford Verse test. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's a fun, dumb question I ask uh, every episode about the monster that we're talking about. What if we replaced it with four bears? How does it affect the story? Does it change? Does it say the same? Um, and yeah, it's just a fun thing to think about. So for this, would the movie be different if instead of the Babadook haunting this mother and child, would it be different if, if it were four bears? And I think I got to really think about this. Yes. I think it would be very different. I don't think we would get the same movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the, the Babadook is like invisible for a lot of it. Um, for some reason, only the boy can see it at times when it's in the car with them or whatever. Um, I don't think that four, I don't think, I I don't think 20 bears, let alone four could put, could make a pop-up book. Um, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) I, I, yeah, it's just the Babadook is like, oh, straight. Like the Babadook like makes prank calls. The Babadook's a person. Like more than a lot of the monsters we talk about, like this, the four bears test is already so hard to pass. But like, at like baseline, it's got to just kind of be like a primal monster. You know what I mean? And the Babadook is anything but. Like if you if you told me there was like a deleted scene of like the Babadook like doing taxes or like just like going to pay off like a parking ticket, like I'd believe it because. It it feels like more it's it, it's it's the most normcore monster we've had I think on this podcast you know like literally by the end of the movie like the way they defeat the monster is like they just like let him sublet the basement <laughs> yeah like it's just it like these are all very like unbear like things to me well here's a question for you then Khalid to follow that up would you say that okay. Before I've asked this question, the Babadook can't talk other than saying his own name, I think. We have established through the movie, that's all we know, right? Yeah, but through Pokemon, we know that's more than enough. Well, that's where I was going with this. You you took where I was going to go, Khalid. I was going to say, if you were to look at a Pokemon, could you replace a Pokemon with a bear? The bear-like Pokemon, I'm sure. Right. So, in a sense, if the Babadook were just a Pokemon with some powers, like... I mean, he has claws, right? So it almost works that way, right? No, because some po- like most Pokemon can't make pop-up books, Joe. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be part of his power set, right? Like it could be part of his power power set. I don't know. Like if it was a bear Pokemon, that's true. Pokemon do be just having like really weird powers, though. Um, yeah. Okay, fine. If he's a Pokemon and one of his powers is he can make pop-up books. So are you asking me like what what's the question like in regards to the four bears test because like are you saying like if i consider it in the same league as like if you just had like a pokemon haunting you is it cl- easier to pass the four bears test is that what you're asking 
Probably. I just I just thought the saw the Pokemon connection and wanted to see what I can do with it. You just, yeah, you just really didn't want to let that moment slip. I get it. Um, well, in an effort to make it feel like you did it intentionally for conversation's sake, I'm going yeah. to say that's an interesting question, but I still don't think it changes the core of the issue, which is uh, a bear can't do anything that the Babadook did in this movie. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, although I, it'd be super funny if like somehow you saw like a silhouette of like a coat rack and you were convinced it was four bears. <laughs> 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 like I'm just thinking about like what would have to be on that coat rack for you for you to do a double take and just make sure it's not four bears standing there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but to close out this segment, it's a fail. It's a it's a straight up, straight on fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like the supernatural monsters tend to not pass. I'd say right. Uh, as opposed to the magical monsters. Well, yeah, opposed to the magical <laughs> monsters, or like the like the more primal, like just beast like monsters. Like there's like a kind of categorically different, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think we should do like an addendum? Like we'll only do the four bears test if like the monster uh is categorically like beast like, or is that just like too much of a qualifier? Uh, it might be a qualifier. I think that I like. I like to see uh, how you like jump through hoops to try to get there with it still. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure like if I was like, you know, feeling, feeling feisty, I could, I could bend over backwards and explain why four bears could Babadook you. But I, yeah, I don't know. Like just if I'm being like a hundred percent honest with myself though, it just, it, it's not happening. Yeah. Um, speaking of bending over backwards, Khalid. Uh Wow. Two for, would you two for two? Holy shit! Would you would you fight or flirt with the Babadook? Uh, please add another round of applause here. I Woo-hoo. I was I I thought that I might have like hamstrung you by complimenting you so much for getting the first one down so well mm-hmm. that you that you might just like get in your head about the second segue, but you you you've skated right past it. Oh yeah, I might even like this one more than the first one. It was a good one. It, you set me up pretty good with that one. You're on a roll, buddy. I'm so proud of you. Um, yeah, fight or flirt. Sounds like what it is. It's uh, would I fight the monster or would I flirt with it as a means of survival? Um, I think we got to get the the obvious thing out of the way with the Babadook. Uh, it's a it's a drip god. The hmm. the Babadook has got drip. You know, like I've. I've seen many uh, model types, you know, coming from like your New Yorks or your like coastal cities that mm. more or less dress like that. You know, they've got that kind of like Adams Family chic, like like if like if the Met Gala's theme was like Barnum and Bailey work at Hot Topic, um, like that look. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. It's a very it's it's it, it may be our most fashion forward monster if I really think about it. Like I'm trying to think about like any of the other monsters. Like you know, like we had like attractive monsters that were like possessing bodies or whatever. You know, your Jennifer's body or your Billy Zane's. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, but like they were never like the snazziest dressed. And like for me, that seems like a big factor when it comes to the Babadook and like whether or not I could bring myself to flirt with them. And um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I think I could do it. And we already kind of touched on the fact that he like makes the pop up book, repairs the pop up book. Like, you can tell that like at like at at the Babadook's core, he, he it's it's very artistic. It's very it's very creative in a way that we don't normally get with these monsters. And it's so expressive, and it seems to me at least that like all of his attempts to reach out to that family and show them like what, what the Babadook offers are just wasted. And I could, I could be the person that takes him in and really appreciates what he's doing with his artwork and maybe even get him like a meeting with penguin publishing or something, you know, there's a market for these weird little like rhyming threat books. And it's, it's, it's up to me as the Babadook's partner to make sure that like people see that. So yeah, like it's an easy flirt for me, you know, like when you, when you take into like how snazzy they look, like they're probably getting invited to like fashion things and parties and premieres. Um, it's, it, it just, it's a no brainer. If anything, I would be like getting fashion tips that I would start to look as good as a Babadook. So yeah, like easy flirt for me. What about you? Fucking dope. My main man. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, is, uh, do you have anything else to add to that response? Yeah, actually, that was bussin' bussin'. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, I I feel honored to to have given you a bussin' bussin' response. Yeah. And I'm 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 glad to have gotten that compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add an addendum that uh, for anyone who doesn't know what bussin' bussin' is, it's like another way to say cool, uh, which I learned from nine-year-olds that I teach, so. <laughs> I'm, I promise you no one like woke up this morning and was like, Joe is going to teach me what bussin' bussin' means. Yeah, well, not, they got that privilege. Oh, my God. Well, you even in, even on summer break, you're a great teacher. Absolutely, absolutely. But would you, but would you fight or flirt? With the Babadook? I know my, my answer was a little bit on the long-winded side, but you can just... Right. No. I, I mean, I'm always, I always tend to agree with your reasonings, but like from a different standpoint, I think that I think that the, the, the movie ultimately tells us that what you got to do is flirt. You know, like in not necessarily romantic sense, but like fighting it is sort of what, what was the problem altogether, like the denial element. So like when you accept the Babadook as like something that's going to stay with you, you flirt... Yeah, you, you, you keep it as part of you. That's how you succeed. So, I mean, you got to flirt. You got to flirt. You got to. Got to flirt. Um, got to flirt. Slightly adjacent to fight or flirt. But um, did you see the thing about like the Babadook basic, like in the queer community, how it's like kind of like this weird, like, I don't like an icon, I guess. Yep, I did. I, I read <laughs> about that. I definitely read about that. Yeah. Do you, do you know why? Um. Because the internet is weird. So uh, <laughs> apparently, in I think I want to say this was 2016 or something, Netflix incorrectly uh, classified the Babadook as an LGBT film. Oh, I do and remember that. That's where it came yeah, from. That's where it came from, and people like jumped on it and just thought that was super fun. Um, and has be- in 2017, he was displayed as a symbol during that year's Pride Month. Uh, social media 
took to it. Apparently, Los Angeles in in LA, where you are, they they took his opportunity to hold screenings of the film for like charity for like LGBTQIA plus charity of charity organizations and stuff. And oh, it's kind of kind of a cool uh, cool thing that happened. Even the director commented, "I got I got stuff I got stuff about this." <laughs> but the director director Jennifer Kent even commented. She said she loved the meme, saying she said, "quote I think it's crazy that that the meme just kept him alive." I thought, "Ah, you bastard! He doesn't want to die, so he's finding ways to become relevant." <laughs> see and like i love that and it's yeah i think that that would be an interesting way to make a sequel about this <laughs> yes you know what i mean if she like made it like semi like an a semi-autobiographical sequel like outside of the world like exactly like literally that. like she yeah. writes a movie about her or like a stand-in for her that makes a movie about the babadook that hits yeah. And then like, I don't know, like I'm not going to write the movie for her, but like basically like the Babadook is like haunting that person would be interesting. And like the idea of like, it's like second life in the queer community and stuff. That'd be super interesting. I wonder if she'd be open to something like that. Like I, that's not like direct sequel to the story that she made, but like carries the character on. Yeah. Like, I don't know for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard not to be cynical anytime anybody like makes a sequel to something just like we're all mm. so exhausted by just franchising in general. But like, I, I'm always a fan of like, uh, when a sequel is almost like a conversation with the, with, with the preceding movie. Yeah. Like that's always interesting to me, like as, as an exercise, if you're sincerely like, okay, if I had to tell more of this story or live more in this world or like follow this character, what am I saying about that first movie with it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I would definitely watch that. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you already said it, but like the Babadook is like evergreen territory. Like she could make the sequel whenever she wants. And I think people would be interested. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Should we uh, should we move on to our final segment, Khalid? Let's do it. Final segment of the of our show is uh, a segment where we call uh, <coughs> "What the Fandom." Mm-hmm. That's what Thanks, it, that's what it's called. Thanks, Khalid. Uh, in our "What the Fandom" segment, we uh, we both share something that we're into, whether that whether or not that has anything to do with the movie or monsters in general, just something that we think you guys might be interested in as listeners that, that we're interested in at the moment. So uh, Khalid, what the fandom with you? Um, Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Um, my, what the fandom this week is going to be the Showtime series. I love that for you. Um, it is, it stars Vanessa bear, uh, and Molly Shannon and a few other just like really great, delightful people. Um, synopsis or like story wise, what like it's about this woman who ends up like going to work for a QVC type of show. So like you know like those like old like shows that like your mom would have on or whatever, where it's just like two yeah. two nice old ladies like trying to get you to buy like a picture frame or something. Um, it's about like that world and how she becomes a part of it and how it's like way more. Uh, cutthroat than you like expect it to be like all these shows. It's like, you never know until you see behind the curtain, but um, it's, it really grew on me. I was wary of it when I saw it. Cause like, there's 
a whole like kind of contrived uh thing like plot over the season that they pr- like show you in the trailer and it felt just a little too hacky and i gave it a shot and i really enjoyed it and i'm recommending it more as like an opportunity to just like quickly comment on like it is a great like time for uh our, the our previous generation of talent like above like you and me so like i think about like shows like this or Barry or hacks where like, you've got like these like older, like respected actors that are just like getting these like fantastic roles, like so late in their life that, um, is exciting. At least for me as a viewer, like when I'm seeing people like Henry Winkler or Molly Shannon or Jennifer Lewis, uh, doing all these like things like at at this point in their career. And, um, it's just like a, it's, it's just an awesome combo that I've been seeing a lot lately where it's like uh respected older actor, uh, SNL alumni, and just like a really like solid, like comedy writers room. And it's just, it seems like just like a surefire hit lately that I've just been like over and over again, really pleased by. And, uh, I, uh, I love that for you has like really quickly entered that space. Um, and yeah, just to speak to Vanessa bear, who's the star of it. It's really nice to see her finally get the spotlight. I was uh, really happy when like 80 Bryant got that with her show. And it just feels like um, with as much talent as, as that does come out of SNL all the time, like it still feels like sometimes like, like really like true blue, like hundred percent, like funny people don't necessarily like, stand above as much as they should so like when they get like opportunities like vanessa bayer does here it's a good reminder of like oh yeah she's like pound for pound one of the funniest people doing it right now and this show is just does such a good job of like spotlighting that so check out i love that for you that it's it's just uh it's another great addition to uh the spoils of uh solid tv we have these days nice Good recommendation, Khalid. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, please do. It's on Showtime, you said? Yes. All right. I'll have to borrow that from you also. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, what the fandom with you? Thanks for asking, Khalid. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, having, um, as you all know, listeners, I've, I've lamented before that I'm I'm busy with everything in life right now. And so it's, it's hard. It's been hard for me to, to keep up with reading and watching things lately. So it's kind of been unfortunately pared down to just like a few things, but I will say that, um, my Nicole and I have a Thursday night double feature that we watch every week. Um, which is the double feature of star Trek, strange new worlds and the Orville, which they both, I think technically release Wednesday nights, but it's been a really, really enjoyable, like, thing to look forward to at some point like we kind of make sure we try to set aside those thursday nights to like watch those two shows and they make kind of uh, interesting companions to each other so uh, listeners know that i'm a big trek fan but strange new worlds is the new the newest series they have which is technically a spinoff of discovery slash uh update on the original series with uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike and there's in Spock, Ethan Peck. And uh, it's got a really cool cast of characters that we've, that we're learning more about. It's got, it's, a, it's kind of a classic Trek vibe where it's episodic uh, bottle episodes each week with like, but it does have some overarching themes that it's carrying with it. And it's, it's some good stuff. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, 
some pretty heavy episodes we've had some really silly episodes which is kind of fun a lot of star trek lately has been pretty a lot of live action star trek lately has been very serious so it's kind of fun to see it lighten up a lot um and then taking that the other side of that coin watching the orville is almost doing the opposite where it's been really silly for a while and it's kind of starting to take some more heavier themes this season which has been very interesting to watch like seth mcfarlane obviously has a increased budget with the hulu transition it's now called um orville new horizons but the the budget is definitely felt the stories just seem like he has more freedom to do what he wants to do with it um there are longer episodes and so they've been really fun to watch i think uh i don't know if a lot of people are watching the orville i know strange new worlds has been very successful for paramount i don't know about the orville for hulu but uh i i really like that show and i hope that they they continue both of them and so i would recommend if you're looking for a good sci-fi back-to-back thursday nights check out uh strange new worlds in the orville um every time i hear uh the orville's new subtitle uh new Hor- <laughs> new horizons i just think yeah. i just think of the like daycare chain i know it's in minnesota i don't know if it's anywhere else that new horizons daycare you know i know i know what you're talking about i didn't know it was just in minnesota i don't know I, I've, I've, I don't know if i've ever seen it anywhere else um but <laughs> the yellow one is it always yellow? I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I every time I see the new title, though, I just think of it like, uh, like it's the Orville, but it's like the Muppet Babies version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I just start imagining, like, what would that show be like? And uh, if my if my imagination is any indicator, it, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Maybe there'll be an episode like that, Khalid. Maybe just pitch that. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna do Muppet Babies at some point. Yeah. That's a that's we a know given. we know Seth is a loyal listener of Frankenstein's podcast, so. Yeah. You can have that one, Seth. Yeah. You know what? It's a freebie on us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I um, I am watching those along with you and I'm very into it. And uh, yeah, I, I second that uh, recommendation. Cool. Cool. All right, Khalid. I think that's all we got for this week. Well, it was another fun conversation with you. Um. And yeah, uh, thank you everyone at home for listening to us. This is a great episode. Um, we do not know what our next uh, episode will be about yet, do we, Joe? We do not, but I, I do hope, uh, fingers crossed, that we'll be more consistent moving forward. I know we've had a lot of weird breaks because of various things, but uh, I think that we're moving towards a place where we're more settled in and we can hopefully have a, a back get back to our consistent release schedule. So look for something... Uh, when this drops two weeks following. Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye out. We'll, we will definitely be talking monsters at some point, hopefully right then when Joe said it would happen. <laughs> yep. Hopefully then. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thank you again. And until next time, creep it easy. <laughs> <laughs>